You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked on Mavericks for Friday, February 10th, episode number 84. I'm Mike, he's Jake, he's at Not Jack Kemp, I am at Machine Sports. You can also follow the show at Locked on Mavs, or uh, you can email the show at uh, LockedOnMavs at gmail.com if you'd like us to spend these next, uh, you know, 30 to 60 seconds speaking about your business, perhaps, your local business that needs some uh, pub we can do that for you just uh shoot us an email at locked on mavs at gmail.com and we will sort that out um friday edition of the pod after a win against the fifth best team in basketball <laughs> i don't understand it but i'll take it um 112 105 in overtime i guess since you didn't get to do a uh, a post game show um initial thoughts initial feelings after the uh after the basketball game jacob well, I would say that similar to the game the other night against Portland, which they found themselves in with a chance to win it late, they were outplayed for 60 to 70% of this game handily. Yeah. I mean, they were getting just destroyed in the paint. That second um, quarter was like – I thought I thought it was going to be a Rick Spaz out game because yeah. that second quarter was ugly, like an 18-2 to two run. And they just like weren't closing out on guys, and it just seemed like so easy for the Jazz. And you never really know um, if he's going to wait until it's a, t- a game where um, the other team's like not very good. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know he respects the hell out of Utah. Um, yeah, and like for when- example, the four and seventeen game. You know that the Kings suck, and everyone knows the Kings don't give a shit. And so that's the game where it's worth just destroying your team for. But, I mean, the third quarter, when they're down 21 with midway midway through the third, like, yeah. there's just no way they're they're coming out of that. And, man, I'll tell you what it was. To me, it was, you know, obviously Barnes gets the highlight or gets, you know, he scored eight of his 31 in overtime. He had two huge shots um, in the end of the game to one to get it to overtime and one to seal it. Curry getting taking Gobert's ass to, right to the rim twice on Dude, switches was beautiful. That made me so happy because earlier in the game I was like throwing things because Devin got switched on to Gobert a couple times and then Yogi did the same thing. And either they got rid of the ball like super quick and just like bailed out of that possession or they got like really um, dribble the air out of the thing and shoot a lazy like long jumper. I'm like, that's not what you do when an eight-footer is chasing you around the perimeter. That's, you, that's never the answer. No, um, but – what I was going to say was that even with all that, to me, this game was won on like a 15-minute stretch of Wes Matthews. Yeah, Wes played great. he had a six or eight point. I think he scored like nine of 11 points in the third quarter to get them mm-hmm. back from 74-58 to 70. His last bucket made it 76-66, that pull-up. And even though he got called for fouls on two of them, he was 
and even the fact that Hayward had 36, he was playing pretty salty defense down the stretch on a yep. dude that I think is a, you know, probably like a second or third team all NBA player. So he's not like the headline, but I feel like he got them back in that game. Yeah, he cranked it up in the fourth. I was really worried because, I mean, Hayward had 28 going into the fourth, and I was like, man, West just can't handle him. He's too long. He's too smooth, like running at the basket. He makes really tough layups. Like he's he's getting real close to one of those complete players where I'm like, damn, like what do you what do you do against that guy? And then the fourth quarter, like they started, you know, trapping a little bit and yeah. uh, help, helping out West just a touch, and it completely changed the game. And like they went, or Utah went back on a 13 to two run in the third, and I felt at that point Rick just like called a timeout, got the dudes over there, and just said, you know what, muddy this effing game up. Like, make it disgusting. And that's what they started yeah. doing. And I think there were, like, uh, like 13 combined turnovers uh, in the third. And the Mavs got it back in within 10, heading into the fourth. And then, you know, they kind of traded punches for a while. And then a, uh, what, an 11-0 run to finish regulation. 4-0 um, in the final minute uh, on the Barnes baseline dunk. And then the, uh, the Barnes shorty that bounced right to Dirk. And then seven straight in overtime. And, uh, yeah, so now they've beaten three of the top five teams in basketball over, like, the last uh, eight to ten days. Uh, They just beat a team that won 11 of 14. Um, They're two and a half back of the eighth seed. Um, Joe Flippin. You have to to keep in mind that, because I would imagine that if the Mavericks had been on the other side of this, we probably would have mentioned Utah was on the second night of a back-to-back. They were, and they were without uh, George Hill, and they were without Rodney Hood, who's going to be out for a couple weeks, it looks yeah. like. But they're so, also, like, they're also still one of the five to six, you know, five, six, seven best teams in the league. Yeah. And those teams routinely win on the second night of back-to-back. So it's Oh, yeah, not, that's that's the know? difference. Yeah. yeah, that's the difference in, like, a really good team, like a top five, six team, and a, and a just okay team is, like, a really good team is deep enough and uh, they have enough bench and enough, you know, uh, scoring punch everywhere that on the b- second night of a back-to-back, they don't just, like, roll over. Right. Um, yeah, what did you mention that I wanted to get to? Oh, no George Hill. That I didn't really, like, notice it much through the game, except for when Exum had a couple of stupid mistakes. Um, and then in the fourth, I really noticed it. Yeah. Because their offense started looking really ugly, and they started having to switch everything along the perimeter, and that's when Gobert got nuked a couple times by Seth. And I was sitting there watching that, and I'm like, I don't know if they switch if George Hill's out there. And I yeah, don't know if they – probably not. Although, and, Dirk is still a pretty facile screener. Like, Yeah, no, he's tricky. <laughs> he's tricky. He'll get his, he'll get his hip bone into your, into your ribs or something and knock you off your path. Because on, I think both those – I think on both those plays, there were multiple screens set. Like, they just – they had Ingles, obviously, trying to guard Curry late. Yeah. Uh, after he they had him trying to guard Yogi early. He ran um, out of gas. <laughs> and they just kept re-screening it back and forth and back and forth. And eventually, one of the times, you could tell whenever Dirk kind of dove, Ingles panicked and stayed with him. Mm-hmm. So, it was just more of like a, the spacing. You're probably right, though. I mean, with Hill, I don't know that – you know, because Curry was just looking for that man. I mean, he yeah. was circling the paint like I'm dragging your ass out here. Right, exactly. He's like, I'm gonna dribble this ball until I get a matchup I like, and then we're going to town. And dude, him doing that in the fourth quarter, that revs me up so much. I'm like, he knows 
Like, one of these five dudes is going to get put on him, and whoever it is at the end of the shot clock, like, he can nuke them. And his confidence is just in another atmosphere right now. And um, I'm just super excited about that guy. Love what he does in the fourth quarter when he can just spaz out for, like, four to eight points at a time and get to the free throw line in the fourth. And, uh, yeah, we we, we found something in that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation with him, we've had it a hundred times. Same thing with Yogi. And really, it's I would extend this to guys like Salah, who, you know, there are games where he looks way confused and he gets, he might block Hunt a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he did have three last night. And he makes, he routinely makes like game changing plays. Yeah. So they have like a number of dudes who I don't totally know what to do with them, mm-hmm. but they're usable. I don't know. They have a lot of really useful, usable parts. The question right now for them is how do those fit together? Yeah. Like for the future. Their future is really confusing, but in the meantime, they're a pretty fun team to watch. They are, dude. I mean, obviously, they played a lot of ugly basketball last night for, uh, you know, the middle two periods, but in the fourth, like, that's as fun as you're going to have. Um, and the same thing for the Portland game. Um, their last two games have been just super fun basketball to watch. And if you're doing that and you're playing young guys and you're you know, winning half your games, like there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing I can be mad about right now about the Mavericks team. I mean, I, in six months from now, I can wish they had you know, the fifth overall pick. I can do that. But right now, I'm just going to enjoy them playing really fun basketball and uh, making runs in the fourth quarter like they did. And the same thing against Portland the other night. And watching Dirk knock down game-tying shots. Um, I can live with that. I can be really happy with that. And watching Harrison Barnes, you know, grow into his superpowers um, in the fourth last night. And then in overtime, whenever he realizes they don't have a rim protector uh, outside of Favors, who, you know, isn't quite quick enough to get over there a lot of the time yeah that and makeup that makeup call on the go bear offensive foul after two really poor calls against west really came mm-hmm. back to bite utah in the ass whenever they yeah. had no big and mm-hmm. curry just living or excuse me uh barnes is just living in the paint in overtime because i thought that that screen call on go bear was a little ticky tacky a little bit yeah a little bit but the, like the intensity of the game had been cranked up like to a level because Utah had, had those two turnovers, or they uh, forced those two turnovers, and they did those two runouts. And Gobert had just, like, um, he had just, like, dunked the ball while not even, like, leaving the floor and, like, yelled and, like, nearly threw somebody. And I feel like the intensity was at a level where the ref's like, all right, calm down. Oh, yeah. that's, your, that's your sixth? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, I'm talking about – I think that – okay, so I think his sixth, the one that was that, – that's the one where he fouled Dirk on the inbounds. Oh, Okay. That one I feel like needed to be called. The fifth one, the screen. Yeah, was that, that on Seth when he threw yeah, him down? Yeah, I think that's who it was. And and it just – it was right after, like you said, a couple of – like the crowd was like freaking out. Mm. But you know what I think is weird is if, if you go back and watch Gobert after he gets called. So Curry's trying to inbound the ball to Dirk with 21 seconds left. And Gobert is just hassling the hell out of Dirk. Mm. I don't think he knew he was playing with five fouls. Probably not. Because if you go back and watch it, he doesn't immediately head to the bench, and then all of a sudden he kind of turns to the bench like, what? Someone yelled at him. <laughs> yeah, and, like someone was like, get over here. 
And they probably weren't thinking about overtime. I mean, dude, the Mavericks are down four with 21 seconds left. Yeah, so that doesn't I, happen. I don't know that you're, like, playing differently if you're Gobert at that point, like, because mm-hmm. you're thinking about needing to stay in the game. But I'm, like, 99% sure that he had he didn't know that he was playing with five. And then, you know, Favors has to come in for him, and then you get the uh, the Bards dunk on the, on the assist from Curry, which was a freaking thing of beauty. Yep. 18 of Barnes's 31 points came in the paint. That's awesome. He That's averages eight phenomenal. out of his 20. Um, and dude, I, I know that teams have looked at or people have looked at this before, and uh, I think Carlisle ended up being good, but not quite as good as we thought. But you're just not stopping them on inbounds plays. No, you're really not, man. You're really not. Like that's that's a neat trick to have uh, dude, that seriously, you can pull the, out. The NBA NBA.com puts all this up, so you mm-hmm. can just go to the play-by-play and you can actually click on the play, and it has the the with 21.4 seconds left when the Mavericks have the ball, they're down 196, and just watch the just the freaking labyrinth of screens <laughs> that they run through. Okay, so you've had you have Curry screening or you have Dirk screening for Harris who then chases his defender through, and then Dirk opens up backside and screens for Barnes, who comes to – there's just no chance you're going to stop that. Yeah. It's I mean, there's – the thing, thing I like – freaking beauty. The thing I like most about Rick and his, like, offense overall is that you don't even realize as a defender, like, your guy's going to um, screen another guy, right? So you, you either hedge or you chug the dude as he, like, starts screening him, um, and you don't even realize that they're trying to get you out of position for another screen. Like, they're using the screen and the overreaction from the defense to pin you down again. Um, yep. And then the guy that's trying to defend the screen, you're realizing, oh, yes, I'm the primary action here. <laughs> it's like it's like stepping into a into a bear trap, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> but that's, like, my favorite thing to watch in Rick, uh, in Rick offenses whenever they're actually, like, moving along pretty well. Um, so over the last 15 games, the Mavericks are playing, like, the sixth best team in basketball. Uh, 110.9 offensive rating, 104.7 defensive for plus 6.2. Utah's actually playing like the second-best team in basketball, so that's a really, really good win. Um, Yeah, George Hill was out. Yeah, Rodney Hood was out. But, dude, I'll take that every single time. Um, They're not turning the ball over, which is a big part of it. Um, And I wanted to – where was it? Not lineups. Here it is. Okay, so in the last 15 games – Seth Curry's uh, true shooting percentage is 62, <laughs> which is just <laughs> doesn't make sense. And that's Dirk the, is uh, <clears throat> that's that's efficiency embodied. Yeah, and Dirk is at 53, which is so good. It's just not 62. And Harrison Barnes is at 54 as well. So I mean, those guys are playing their asses off. It's it's really fun to watch. I really like watching young dudes like develop their. Um, you know, their craft, their their superpowers, figure out what they can do. And I love to watch the dudes, like, playing confident um, and not, you know, dreading, um, you know, a trade deadline that's coming up in, you know, 13 days and stuff like that. But, I keep going back even further than the last 15 to we need a name for December 7th, you know, other than, like, mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I think they've got that one. I don't want to keep calling Mavs Kings Pearl Harbor or December <laughs> 7th. So we need another name for how they started 4-17 and 17 and lost by 31 or whatever to Utah. We reference it so much that we probably need some sort of shorthand, but it's obviously the game where the Mavs, we already referenced it once in this podcast, where Rick had the post-game film session. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I okay. I would add that yes, it you you know you can scream and rah rah and put the guys down or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was also the last game they played without Curry. Yeah, uh, Curry came back the next game. I believe Dirk was shortly after that. Um, mm-hmm. Through that through the first twenty one, Dirk had only played in five games, and they had they had lost all five of them. He might have played that game and the game before, but anyways. Five of twenty-one with Dirk, all five losses. Since then, they're seventeen and fifteen, and their overall uh, net rating is a positive on the one and a half, which makes them eleventh during that stretch. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll say this probably twice a week. That's about who I thought they were. Yeah, a team that's... that would vacillate between about eleventh and seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I... far as like overall record, which probably gets that's you to seventh or eighth in the West. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, we said seventh or eighth in the West uh, during the preseason, and if you factor in the Eastern Conference um, into that, you know, you'd probably finish fifth or sixth in the East, depending on how all their crap shakes out. And it just, yeah, that's who we said they were going to be. Um, I guess we can spend like one minute on Utah. Uh, I warned you about Joe Inglis. <laughs> he came um, out hot. He hit his he first did. three threes, I think, or his, was his first three threes or first three shots. But he, he hit three in a three in a row in that second. Yeah, he was on fire, dude. Yeah, if he like, can play, like he's very useful. Like I don't know if playing him forty minutes is the answer. No, um, I, mean, they I feel like want to avoid that. But yeah, I feel like he ran out of gas in the fourth and was like, Ah, God Almighty, why am I still chasing these guys around? And he started like he missed that corner three, the wide open one, really bad. Like he overshot the rim. Um, but that Let me dude put it to like you this way, he's better than Joe Johnson. <laughs> low bar, low bar. But still, but, uh, Joe, there was a time when Joe Johnson was making $20 million a year. Yeah, I mean, seven-time seven all-star Joe Johnson. And the Jazz are paying him 11 He makes five times as much money as Joe Ingles, and he is not as good. Yeah, and, uh, like, if if Hill isn't playing, well, let's, let's just consider the Jazz with a healthy George Hill. Um, whenever Gobert is not on the floor, they're going to have a really tough time slowing down someone like Harrison Barnes. Uh, some like a three, a really strong three that can stretch up to a four and can play, um, you know, just really good foot speed um, overall for a guy his size. Because I don't see anybody on this roster. I mean, Rodney Hood might be able to sl- slide up Hayward at times, but you don't want to get Hayward in foul trouble either. But I think what's going to knock the Jazz out of the playoffs eventually is um, Gobert gets two early fouls in a game. Someone just goes straight at him and forces the issue. He goes to the bench, um, and then you're playing your uh, your three that can slide up to a four and attack. And it's going to compromise their defense, and they have no counter for it. And that's what happened in overtime last night. They could really use a bogut. <laughs> they really could. They because really could. Playing favors the five, nah. I mean, you saw what happened. Yeah. That's essentially we- what they did in overtime. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll play like, I don't know, the try with Diaw. Which that's nonsense. I don't know, like, but I still I like I like the guy. He can bring a lot. I'm just that's not that ain't working. I'm obsessed they, with the fact that he's still in the league. Yeah, yeah. He played <laughs> quite a awesome. bit in, in overtime, man. I mean, he played yeah. from the 351 mark all the way to when Burks had the sub back in for him at 24 seconds. And during that time span, I have uh, uh, Harrison Barnes bank shot and one. I have a Harrison Barnes uh, drive for a reverse layup, and I have Harrison Barnes in the paint from six with that floater yeah. that put the game away. Like, 
If your idea is to have Derek Favors and Boris Diaw protect the rim, the Mavericks have two guys who will make you pay for that. Yeah, and, and I'm I sure a lot of teams have dudes like that. I really haven't said that since, uh, I don't know, Monte Ball. Yeah, yeah. Good and times, man. One, one more note on the Jazz. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Trey Lyles. Like... I've talked to everybody that I know inside of basketball that I talk to and even uh even Locke like he's like dude Trey Lyles has got he's got the goods like he's gonna be something and I just haven't seen it this year like he's had a pretty pretty drastic step back um in the games that I've watched him play against the Mavs and I just I guess that's their answer whenever favors bounces for you know um four years and 60 million somewhere but like that's the that guy if he could defend like a dude like Harrison Barnes or at least stay in front of him, um, that's the kind of answer that they need and they're just not developing him um, in the same fashion that the well I mean the Mavs kind of had their hands tied and they didn't really have an option to play their young dudes uh, and give them you know full uh, carte blanche but yeah go ahead and get Trey Lyles up to speed and then you're a really 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 scary team but um, all yeah right. I mean I, I would hold that judgment on him being 21 but i also think that i'm gonna be really pissed off if utah doesn't open up the the vault if they don't open up if they don't open up the gold bullion container (laughs) uh because this is like this is part of the problem with the nba is i know that they're gonna make it easier to keep your team your team together in the next cba and maybe that'll help them but dude they've done everything right and they are positioned to if not re- at least replace like the Clippers and the power structure of the West, mm-hmm. there's no reason they can't be one of the three best teams in the West for the next five years. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they're going to beat Golden State, but, mm-hmm. dude, just think about the Mavericks. The Mavericks were not better than like half the teams they played in the playoffs that year. Yeah. But they just kept hanging around, and they eventually got a title. And I know that you know Utah's a much smaller market, but and I don't know anything about their owner's situation. But if they're not willing to pay, I'm going to be really bummed out. Because even though I hate the Thunder with every fiber of my being, what we now know about how much money they were making during the time that they moved Harden, mm-hmm. it drives me insane. Because yeah. that would have been so good for the league to have all those guys in one place. And I defended that move at the time because I'm like, man, they're in a small market. These guys are, you know. You do want to make money if you're owning this business. And then, like, a year later, I'm like, they were making – like, they were top five in revenue. Yeah. Or not in revenue, in profit. And it's like, okay, F you. Right. <laughs> pay, pay your players the most you possibly can and mm-hmm. remain a top six or seven team in the league, win 55 games a year, do it for 10 years, you'll win a title. Yeah, and eventually you're going to catch a couple teams in the playoffs like the Lakers that were trying to hemorrhage – or like you're just going to get a good matchup with the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals, and then you or make a finals. An yeah, and then you make a finals, and there you go, and then then it's all worth it. Um, the scary thing about Utah is they have upward mobility um, in bunches. I mean, I think Rodney Hood can get better. I think I'm, I'm not giving up on Exum. <laughs> no, I think Exum can get a lot better. He's I like 19. Tra- yeah, I think Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles' ceiling is very high, and they already have like a really solid foundation. So, yeah, I mean, they're like one of the rosters that I would be like, give me that roster over the next five years. Uh, that obviously isn't, you know, a, a top, quote, quote, unquote, top four team right already. 
like I would say, give me Utah because they've done everything right. They have upward mobility. They have a solid core. And, I mean, they're going to have to let one of Favors – they're probably going to let Favors go. I mean, just put it that way. But, uh, yeah, no, if they don't, they don't open that, uh, that checkbook and bite down real hard, it's going to be very disappointing for them. But, uh, all right, y'all have a great weekend, and thank you for listening. And, uh, Jacob, I will uh, talk to you later, and thank you for your time. All right, bud, I'll see you.